this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. <laughs> Man, um, so I have a confession. This is actually my first time ever leading a message with one of these and not just going with papers and notes and my Bible, so bear with me. What I like about these is you can highlight things to trick your brain into staying on track. We'll see how well that works. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say what an honor it is to be here. Um, my dear friends actually sent an outline to a couple of people, and I was like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? This is what I feel like God's leading me to speak on this morning. And they were like, Pia, don't forget to say who you are, because <laughs> not everyone's going to know who you are. And so I do want to just say good morning. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Pia Joe, and Jason and I... Um, we fell in love with Memphis Tabernacle family as soon as we got here. I'm going to share a little bit about that in a minute, but we're so grateful for our pastors. We miss you guys. If you're watching, I think they're going to catch the replay. Pastor David and Tiffany, and just really for entrusting a Sunday morning service to us. We're going to talk about something today that I'm really passionate about, and my hope is that you'll find some value in it and you'll be encouraged. Um, but it's interesting because me standing here is actually, I believe, a reflection of what I'm going to talk about today, which is culture. Um, I love that our pastors, they believe in a culture of empowerment and entrusting and pulling out the golden people, and I believe that that's such a beautiful representation of kingdom culture, which is what we're going to talk about today. So I am married to my amazing husband back there, Jason Reynolds, and he's back there faithfully wearing his mask, and we have four beautiful children. And um, culture is something that's really, really special to me. It's something I'm really passionate about. We, um, growing up personally, I just want to share again a little bit about myself just so that way you can know who you're hearing from. Growing up, uh, family life was not something that was super healthy for me. Uh, I think that, you know, we talk about how God uses everything in our life for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And for me, a culture of family was not something that I experienced as a child. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, um, broken family. I could go on probably just for 30 minutes just on my testimony. But God is such a good God. He redeemed it all for his glory. But in that, I think growing up without understanding the love of the Father, without understanding or having a grid or it demonstrated to me what a culture of family as defined by God, Abba, in heaven looked like. There was this like, 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 like innate desire in me to seek that out in my lifetime. Not only as a mom and as a wife, but to actually seek that out in life as I walk through life. And so culture is something that I really became fascinated with at a very young age, even though I didn't understand that that's what culture was. There was something in me that desired to know that a culture existed, a culture of love and hope and belonging, a culture of family. And how many of you know that our God is a God of family? He is a God of family. And so today I want to talk to you guys about a couple of things. So number one, the value of culture. I just want to kind of share a little bit on that, just my thoughts on that. Hopefully you guys can grab something from that. And then I want to move into sharing a little bit about kingdom culture. We hear that a lot. We hear about, we want kingdom culture. We pray it all the time. But like, 
what does that even mean? What does that look like? And this is a journey that I'm still on. I'm just humbly sharing it with you and what I found and what I feel like God wanted me to speak to you all today. And then lastly, the role that we play in actually demonstrating and establishing kingdom culture here in the earth so that others can see it and taste it and experience it and step into it because that's God's plan A to reconcile a lost world with himself. And so my hope, and by the way, just so you guys know, one of the things I told my husband this morning, or actually last night, I am on this beautiful journey. I'm a super intense, passionate person. I just, those of you that don't know me. So I, <laughs> so when I have to like stay within a boundary of time and I need to follow notes, I told him, it's kind of like, I'm really good at being super out there, passionate and intense. And then I'm really good compartmentalizing at like following notes, but when I'm trying to do them both at the same time, y'all get to grow with me this morning. So, all right, so my hope for this morning, and I wrote this out, is that you would leave here. This is my hope for you, that you would leave here with a greater belief in the transformative culture that as sons and daughters of the Most High King, you have within you. I think that many of us talk about it and we sing about it and we pray about it, but, but I fear that we don't really believe it. And so that is my hope for you today. And I also have a message for those of you that don't yet put your faith in Jesus. This is something also that's very special to me. Um, I remember that I listened to multiple messages and I sat in multiple church services throughout my life and I wanted desperately to believe in this man named Jesus, but I didn't. And so I have a challenge. If any of you are sitting in here today or if you're watching online, you're watching because there is an innate desire for you to know this man, Jesus. So I don't want you to feel shamed that you have doubt. There's ample scriptures that can validate that doubt. But what I wanna challenge you to do today is to open your heart that maybe, just maybe, you haven't actually encountered the fullness of the love of God. And I want you to be open to that today because that's where it starts. Regardless of who you are, that's so important to me. Because man, my husband and I, we were the intellects that just could we could smart away any, any, any fact about Jesus, but he had to come in like a flood and encounter us with his love. And then there's no looking back. So I want to challenge you guys to that. He wants to reveal himself to you today. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to drink lots of water because I'm excited so my mouth gets dry. And I couldn't find mints or cough drops. Okay, so if there was a banner scripture over our next few minutes together, it would be Luke 17, 20 through 21. Last thing, last disclaimer about me. Um, I, I want you guys to take notes. That's, that would be my challenge to you also. Grab a notepad. If I say something that is revelatory to you or that's valuable to you, just jot it down. I am uh, a messenger in training, as I said earlier, and so my dream one day is to be able to really do some really awesome notes that I can hand out, because I'm a studier, but I'm not there today. And so what I want you to do is grab notes. We're gonna have scriptures that are gonna pop up occasionally throughout, but there's also gonna be a lot of scriptures I'm gonna talk about that God's just, just really immersed me in this week that I feel like it would be worth you guys jotting down. So the first thing I wanna jump into is the, the value of culture. Well, what is culture? So culture is defined a certain way. And here's the deal. There's a million ways you can apply culture. But, and if you could, Lauren, put that slide up for culture. As I studied and Googled, this was the best definition that I could find, culture. 
Culture is a way of life of a group of people. It's their behaviors, beliefs, their values, their symbols that they accept. Generally, they just accept them. Generally, without even thinking about them, And then those same behaviors, beliefs, and values are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. So culture, guys, and again, the point I want to paint for you guys is how incredibly valuable and contagious that culture is. So just to give a little context, I've thought of like a few little fun examples of like cultural slash custom contrast. One fun one, uh, we actually, we went to a convention, I guess it was last year, and as we were there, we uh, did some training because we volunteered, and so it was our job basically to host the speakers. And so there was these little training sessions that happened before we actually began to host the speakers at this convention. And one of the things that the lady so eloquently told everyone in the room, and she sort of said it in a way as if we should have already known this, although I did not, um, was, hey, don't ever point. Like, don't, don't ever point. You guys can thank me later for that tip. Probably all of you knew that. I was the only one. But so don't point. She said don't point because that's extremely offensive in some cultures. And so the way that you're supposed to direct people is actually by always using two fingers and, if at all possible, going like this. That's a cultural variation from one nation in our culture to another. Another example is Nicaragua. I didn't know this, but they do something called lip pointing, which I was blown away by. How many of you know about lip pointing? Anyone? You do? That's crazy. Okay, so basically in Nicaragua, it is normal in culture when you're engaged in a communicate in like a conversation to pucker your lips like this. And as someone is asking you a question, you can point. So if Scotty comes up to me and is like, hey, Pia, what'd you do with your water bottle? It would be completely culturally accepting, accepted. For, them to, for me to go. Now listen, if we did that here, first of all, the puckering alone would probably freak Scotty out. But if, let alone I start pointing with my lips, okay? So the picture I'm trying to paint to you is that what is normal in, as a citizen of a specific nation or kingdom, you can probably tell where I'm going with this, or culture, there are customs that are normal. But you put somebody from outside of that culture and guess what's going to have to happen? They're going to have to hang out there for a little bit before they can catch it and before it becomes normal. But to someone over there, people might look at them like they're crazy and American, but to them, they're like, what's wrong with you? And if you go, well, I mean, I just I asked you where the bag was, but you started pointing, oh, it's over there, and now you just offended someone because you pointed. Another example really quickly is I can't stop sharing them. I think they're great. Japan, it's how many of you know it's considered a compliment to slurp noodles. This one's a little bit more common. Okay, awesome. Yeah, here your kids kind of get spanked sometimes for being impolite when they slurp noodles at a restaurant. And lastly is um, a gap in your teeth. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. This shows the contrast of what, depending on your culture and your customs, okay, that are attributes and features of your culture, in certain countries it's actually considered a mark of beauty to have a big gap in between your two front teeth. Matter of fact, there are models in certain countries that will go and have cosmetic dental surgery to have a gap placed in between their two front teeth. Whereas in America, right, you guessed it, it's the opposite. It's considered a flaw in many cultures in America and people will actually go to the dentist and they will pay money to fix this quote flaw that they think it is in this country, whereas It is a mark of beauty in another. 
And so why is culture so valuable, guys? This is the picture I want to paint because it is contagious. It drives behavior. You can, you can have a culture, and when, it's, when you go into a certain culture, you become immersed in it, and naturally you begin to take on attributes of that culture. And yeah, it's a little weird at first, but I can assure you in most cases it happens without you even knowing. Not only does it drive behavior, but it does it effortlessly. So one more example, and then we'll head on in. Accents. Now, this is when I'm talking about the contagion part, okay? When I moved to, before I moved to Mississippi, I lived in South Florida. And um, I had family that lived in Potts Camp, Mississippi. And I would talk to them on the phone when I was younger. I remember, I remember literally having to squint my eyes to hear what my brother was saying because I could not understand him. His accent was so thick, okay? He was like from deep south. I couldn't understand him. But then I moved here, and guess what I did? I signed up for the very first, as soon as I got here, immediately, I signed up for a class to start learning how to take on a southern accent. Just kidding. I didn't do that, okay? I didn't do that. Of course I didn't do that. I just was immersed in the culture. And I remember, I'll never forget, two years later, I don't even know if it was that long, we went back to Florida to visit my nanny and little short Italian redheaded woman. I love her. Anyhow, side note, squirrel. Um, went back to Florida and guess what my friends were saying? Oh my gosh, you sound so Southern. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know that I was sounding Southern. I didn't go to a class. I didn't go through a program. I wasn't trained up in school. All I did was show up in this culture, and what, it ha what happened? I began to take on attributes, right, of this culture simply by being immersed in it. That was it, because what? Everyone around me talked a certain way. I didn't even know, but it was like getting on me. It was getting on me. Okay, so kingdom culture, right? How many of you have heard, heard the phrase kingdom culture? And the kingdom of God is in scripture, but kingdom culture, I'm not sure, maybe some translation it is, but kingdom culture, it's a word that we use, and generally, it's kind of seen through the lenses of maybe even what you feel like that needs to look like, and so it's been something that I've just been so fascinated with, because not only am I fascinated with what kingdom culture is, but because the word of God says that kingdom culture is within us. Now that really triggers me, because I'm like, whoa, 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 if an entire kingdom culture is in us, and we are in he who is the kingdom of God, I really need to understand what this looks like, because I want to steward it well, and that's my challenge to you guys today. So what is kingdom culture? So oftentimes we pray on earth as it is in heaven, right? How many of you have prayed the, the Lord's Prayer or heard it, okay? On earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, sometimes I think that we, we imagine that being like a lightning bolt explosion, and all of a sudden, it's kingdom culture on earth. But can I tell you, God doesn't have it planned out quite that way. A kingdom culture, what is that? A kingdom culture is one that its citizens reflect the king. That's a kingdom culture. So, a citizen who recognizes Jesus as their king, observes his laws, partakes in his government, will express what? His culture. 
This is seen in the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the reality of heaven on earth and the liberty of his people to live out their God-given destiny. The kingdom of God is in us as sons and daughters so that we will be expressions of the kingdom of God everywhere we step. Everywhere we step. I, I, I don't believe that we as a whole fully believe that. I don't believe that yet. I can't because if we really believe that as a whole, the church, the ecclesia, what would this world look like? That excites me. It doesn't discourage me. That excites me. I am fascinated by the potential of mankind because we were created in the image of a sovereign God. That's crazy to me, okay? So what is kingdom culture? So Romans 14, 17 through 19 says this, for the kingdom of God, which is, okay, the kingdom of God is what is in us when we express it. That's how we have cultural impact. That's kingdom culture is the expression of the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And we're gonna get to that in a minute. That's a key feature of kingdom culture. We build each other up. So what is kingdom culture? Again, it's the expression of Jesus through his people, guys. It's that simple. It's the expression of Jesus through his people. The expression of the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the reality of heaven on earth in and through his people. And through that is the liberty of his people to live out their God-given destiny. It's the manifestation. I'm going to break it down more. It's the manifestation of wisdom. These are the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the manifestation of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy. Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's, it's, it's those things being expressed in and through us. It's so simple, right? Not always so easy, though. Guys, God wants to co-labor with us. Like, our prayers are important. But if you dive in the scriptures, we have to partner with him in seeing those prayers made manifest. It is his desire that heaven would be made manifest on earth through us. We wonder why so many people come and go from the Christian faith. We talk about spirits of religion and all sorts of things, but guys, at its core, Please hear my heart when I say this, because this is something that Holy Spirit speaks to me consistently. Do you believe what you say you believe? Do you? And I'm going to be honest with you, and I hope that you all will be honest with yourself. Many days, that answer is, apparently not, God, not today. Do a work in my heart, God, because we are destined to be forces in the earth. God wants to co-labor with us to advance, to spread his kingdom here in this earth. He wants the culture of our society, okay, to reflect the kingdom of heaven 
<laughs> it cannot be limited, guys, to a building either. Now, this building is incredibly important. Why? Because we come together and we express all of those gifts and we express, you know, prophecy, wisdom, faithfulness, gentleness. That's, we express that in a very concentrated way. I believe that a huge part, I mean, I haven't talked to Jesus about this personally, but I can ask him when I get to heaven. I believe that a huge part of why he tells us to not give up on meeting together is not only because when we are functioning and expressions of kingdom culture, we bring encouragement and edification and lift one another up, but also because we become a demonstration to a lost world and we give them a place to step into and go, what the heck is this? What is this? I'm going to keep coming back because honestly, I don't believe it. And they can come back again and again and again and again and again and again because when it truly is the manifestation of the kingdom of God coming in and through us, it does not end. It's eternal. It doesn't end. Someone wrote, and actually this says, it cannot be limited to a building as the kingdom of God was birthed in eternity and every citizen of heaven, which you are, is an expression of eternity. Do you think like that? I, like, I want to challenge you to think like that. Really, think like that. Do you see yourself as an expression of eternity? 1 Peter 2.9 says, this is who you are. Oh, I'm sorry, back up. This was a quote I read. Oh, man, this just stirred me. And you can leave that scripture up there. We should not solely be known for the denomination we subscribe to, but primarily be recognized as a kingdom citizen because we are displaying the potency of our king's culture. That just does something in my spirit. I mean, do you know what I mean? Do you not want to display the potency? There's just something potent about the word potency. You know what I mean? Like, it just says something. Like, I want people to be able to, like, smell the fragrance of Jesus on my life. Like, are we potently displaying the culture of the king? And I'll take it a step further. If we don't even know what the heck that looks like, are we taking the time to humble ourselves and ask him, God, I want to display the potency of our king, of my king. How do I do that? Or are we just stuck in this, yeah, I got it. I got, I got this Christian. I got this Christian thing. I get it. You get up. We go. We do this. I read my, my Bible. Are you potently displaying the culture of your king? Can I tell you? That is a possible thing. Now, the world and the enemy will tell you it's not possible. And the reason for that is because you don't see it in the masses yet. I believe it's coming. And I believe that you play a part in it. This is who we are. We are citizens. We are expressions of kingdom culture by design. By design, we are designed that everywhere we step, we carry within us the ability to shift an atmosphere. Do you believe that when you walk into Kroger? I'm asking. When we watch the news and we watch the media, do you believe that you possess the culture of our king within you to release it and impart it and that it actually works? <laughs> Do you believe it? So the spread 
Actually, let me tell you this. Okay, kingdom, it looks like something. Look, this is me sticking to my notes. Thank you, Jesus. Kingdom culture looks like something. It looks like family. God is a God of family. How many of you know that? We, we use the word church family a lot, and I believe church family. I, I also believe, though, that we are living in a time, and I, I, I mean this with all that is within me, and you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm going to die believing that this is true. We are living in a time that we are within our reach is the ability to demonstrate the authentic family of God to a lost world, to a broken and scared and terrified and insecure world. We are living in a time where that is within our reach, and he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to say, yes, it looks like family. Kingdom culture looks like something. It looks like love, not just love for Jesus, but love for one another. Heidi Baker says this, love looks like something. It does. It's the expression of Jesus, who is love, on display. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's in us. So the spread of God's kingdom is designed, and some people, you know, you could say establish his kingdom in the earth, but to me, I'm like a, words are very important to me, so when I think about spreading his kingdom, right, I just, honestly, let's look at this, what we're doing right now. We're wearing masks. Why? To stop something from spreading. If we have to take all these precautions to keep a bug from spreading. How much easier if we would just die to self and be humble vessels do you think it would be to spread the kingdom of God? Right? Think about that. I'm not comparing Jesus to a virus, but in a sense, I am. He is contagious, can I tell you? He is contagious. He is con- the, the real Jesus is absolutely contagious. You can smell him a mile away. He is so contagious. And the world is waiting for us to be vessels so that they can taste and see. I promise you, he is that contagious. I think the reason that we walk sometimes in unbelief of that is because we haven't been trying to spread Jesus. We try to spread religion and we try to spread tradition and that doesn't spread as quickly. You don't need a mask to say no to that. So why is it so important? So the spread, of king, the spread of God's kingdom is designed not only to create a relationship with the Lord, okay, but with each other. Okay, this is my favorite part. <laughs> As Jesus reminded the disciples, listen to this, their defining feature to the world that they belong to a real living king was their awesome messages. Just kidding. Their defining feature to the world that they belong to the king is the love that would be evidenced amongst each other. It's their love for one another. Why? Because love is so absent from this broken world right now. We're living in a generation where I think what love is is so lost right now. People, we don't even know what love is. It's a cuddly, it's a feeling, it's a that preference of one another, love as defined by the Father. We can't give something that we don't have, but love is powerful, powerful. 
when you witness people loving one another and they're, they're, it's without motive, it's without agenda, and you sit back, if you're an observer like me, I observed my husband for five years probably before I finally let go of the fact of thinking, is he going to go back? I had the privilege of knowing my husband before he knew the Lord. That was a gift for me because Jason was a huge part of my testimony of my faith in Christ. To receive him was one thing. To really believe him is another. And Jason was a testimony to that. Do you know that there's a world watching, but when they see, again, that consistency of loving one another, you can't touch that. You can't fake it either. You can't fake it. So don't, don't try to do that. That's that lukewarm spit out of the mouth thing. When we try to act like we love each other and we don't, that always comes up. That's, I could, that's a whole other message. But love as defined by the king looks differently than what we and our feely, emotional selves think love is. It's real. So why is it so important to catch this? Guys, because it's Jesus' plan A to draw his people to himself. It is Jesus' plan A. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is a primary, the primary feature of kingdom culture is our love for one another. A lot of times, and and I've just had the privilege of being in so many different um, spheres over the last couple of years, and oh gosh, that's a whole other message too. But a lot of times we view kingdom culture as just something. But right here, the presence of God is amazing. Um, um, Missions are amazing. All of these these things. But if the key feature within all of that, if the love for one another is absent from that, then he says no go. No, it can feel good, it can look good, it can, it can taste good, but it's not the real deal. It's not the real deal, because that's the defining feature. Primary feature of kingdom culture, our love for one another. Um, my first draw to Memphis Tabernacle um, was the purity of the culture. I remember um, sitting there, we went to eat lunch with uh, uh, Pastor David and Tiffany, we went to the Cracker Barrel, because that's what... California people do when they're making friends in the South, they take you to Cracker Barrel. I never thought about that, but that's funny. Um, so we went to Cracker Barrel. I think it was just because it was a middle, middle point. And, and I'll tell you, there was a whole crazy Holy Spirit story of how we got here that definitely don't have time to tell. However, when we sat with them, it was the evidence of their desire to maintain a pure culture. And, and it was in that moment that I kind of like, you know when you have those moments where you stick a heart stake in the ground, you're like, okay, okay, this is a safe place for me to bring people I love into. Because how many of you know, you, if you're a part of a church that you can't bring other people into, that you're probably not at the right church, right? That sounds crazy, <laughs> but many of us have been there. But I knew in that moment, and it was because of their desire to see pure kingdom culture made manifest. So, what is our role in stewarding this? I'm going to wrap this up. Our role is a big one. (laughs) It's a big one. Our role as children of God is to release, to be expressions of kingdom culture, to release the culture of the kingdom everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. 
I believe, again, that the reason that we do not impart is because we don't believe that we have it. And I just, I really, I felt so convicted by the Lord to challenge. I told Jason, I was like, you know, there's comforting messages and there's challenging messages. <laughs> I feel like this is a challenging one in love. But to really seek the Lord, do you believe? It begins with developing a personal belief in the value of the culture of the king along with the reality that you actually carry it. You carry it. And again, the culture, all those things, miracles, prophecy, patience, love, kindness, it's the gifts and the fruit, both, both. I believe that what we have to believe are three things, three core things. Number one, we have to believe that God is who he says he is. We have to believe that God is who he says he is. And if you don't, don't think you're hiding that from him, please. There have been so many times in my life that I've had to get on my face and cry. And I'm like, God, I don't even understand how I am in this place of unbelief. Like, are you real right now? And can I tell you, in an instant, he will reveal himself. When we walk around and we think we're hiding our doubts and we're hiding our unbelief, it does nothing for us. Nothing. You don't think he knows the thoughts? He knows. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you. Mark 9.24 says, it's where the father instantly cried, I won't go into the context, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. It's okay to pray that prayer. He knows. And if you feel shame, go read the book of Psalms and check out King David, the man after God's own heart. Look at some of his transparency. One time someone said, anyway, they asked, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to be, well, I'm just, they basically said, <laughs> they made a reference to King David's cuss walks with God is what they said. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Kind of like mess with some stuff inside of me, but I know what they meant. David did not hold back. King David did not hold back. You read those Psalms. He did not hold back. His urban dictionary didn't look like ours with some of the trash talk we have these days. But if you go back a few thousand years, I guarantee you it would have been out of, it would have been equatable. <laughs> he, was, he did not hold back. He did not hold back. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. Not because he always expressed it, because he was after it. He was after it. He had a repentant heart. More than any behavior he could ever mess up, more than any sin, his greatest fear was that he would be a fraud before the Lord. That was a man after God's own heart. He wouldn't have it. So again, God is who he says he is. Number two, that you are who he says you are. I'm wrapping up, stay with me. And number three, that he, the kingdom, truly does reside within you. And that it's an untapped treasure waiting to be released in the earth. You'll see it. You watch. You ask him for help. Anywhere you show up, the kingdom of God can be manifested through you. Nate, you can come on up. I'm just going to finish up here. So Luke 17, 20 through 21, I'm going to read this now. This is who you are. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see it here or see it there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. We wait for the kingdom of God to happen to us. 
Yet Jesus says, it is in you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you were created to be a remedy to the unrest in society right now? Do you believe it? This isn't a shame thing. I'm, I'm saying if you don't, congratulations, because your life's about to get a whole lot more meaningful. Your inner narrative is about to shift today. Culture is contagious. Believe with me. Believe with me that we can be what we desire to see. That was a phrase that Holy Spirit gave me some time ago. Be what you want to see. My Facebook, you know, whatever, bio or whatever says, be the blueprint. It was in a time when I was praying and I was seeking God. I'm like, God, this world is just, oh, I don't know. I just help. And there were all these prophetic words about blueprints from heaven. And I do believe in blueprints from heaven and the Holy Spirit. I mean, clear as day. It was an internal, audible voice. And he was like, you are the blueprint. And I remember in that hotel room when he spoke that to me, I remember thinking like, that must not be the voice of God because I'm not that special. Yes, I am. And it wasn't just for me. You are the blueprint. You are the blueprint. You are God's plan A. Yes, we are to lead the lost to the Lord, but how do we do that? He just told us. Be an expression, be a pure vessel of the kingdom of God and people will be drawn to you like a magnet because he's contagious. No mask can keep him out. Accept the responsibility to learn. This is another one. Accept the responsibility to learn. I just heard that phrase on a Zoom I was watching yesterday. I thought, man, that is powerful. Accept the responsibility to learn. That takes humility, guys. You know, fun fact here, Studies show that there are three ways, guys, three ways that we can ex engage an existing culture, okay? Number one, we can confront it. Think about our, our culture, our worldly culture, that if you're not complaining about it on Facebook, you're complaining about it at your table or whatever it is that we complain about. There's three ways that we can confront it as a, as a human. Number one, I'm sorry, we can engage it. Number one, we can confront it. Number two, we can complain about it. And number three, we can conform to it, Okay? I believe, I believe, this is my I believe statement that we, as set-apart children of God, are designed for number one. We are wired to confront the existing culture and redeem it for God's glory. And I just walked through 30 minutes of instructions that are simple, not always easy, but simple, in how he desires for us to do that. So how do we do it? We decide to become that culture. Make a decision today. Accept his invitation to go to him and ask him how to do that. Ask him for wisdom. Decide to become hope, gratitude, integrity, honesty, authenticity. Speak that over yourself. Pastor David always says, we read our Bibles here every day at Memphis Tabernacle. Have you ever noticed that? Powerful. He doesn't say, I read my Bible every day. And he doesn't say, you need to read your Bible every day. He says, here at Memphis Tabernacle, we read our Bibles every day. There is power in the prophetic word. What if we could speak that kind of belief over our own lives? You'd be a force in the earth. We are relentless in loving well. We champion and celebrate one another. Victories, strengths, and differences. We prefer one another. We are steadfast. We choose to see through the lenses of reality rather than unrealistic expectations. We focus on what we have 
not what we don't yet have. But we do let what we don't yet have that God's promised us drive us into the future. We are perpetual learners. We embrace growth. We continually grow in character. We are humble before the Lord and one another. We are of good character. Side note real quick on culture. Someone once asked, not too long ago, why is authenticity so valued now? Have you heard that? Authenticity is kind of like become like a little bit of a catchphrase, right? Like, you you know, this gen, that gen, we want authenticity, vulnerability. Why is it so valuable? I know why. Because it's rare. (laughs) It's rare. It's rare. But it doesn't have to be. I believe that we can change that. Yes, we pray. But we become it. We want a culture of authenticity. What does it take? Authenticity. Is it awkward? You bet. You bet. But when you can start looking at awkwardness as breakthrough and you celebrate that awkwardness because you just became the culture, then you celebrate that. That awkwardness becomes a victory. And on the other side of it, it will be multiplied. What will happen as we do this? We will multiply organically. And I believe change the world as we know it. Again, be what you desire to see in all that you do, in all that you do with intentionality. Guys, the world does not believe that the church can win this fight. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe that goodness can and will prevail. That's the voice of the enemy. But we know that's not true. Guys, the victory is already ours. You just have to be what you already are. You're in Christ, and Christ is in you, literally. It's not just about us. It's about the world. You are infectious. You're designed to infect. Culture is contagious, and you carry culture. Guys, I'll end with this. Don't overthink it. Don't don't overthink it. It happens organically. It happens organically when you get this internal belief right. Guys, it would be impossible. Look, it's remember the accent situation? Do you remember that with the accent? All I did was show up. All I did was show up. That's it. I was immersed in a culture. All I did was show up. You carry the kingdom of God in you. All you have to do is show up. Be clean, be pure, start out small. If you're not used to confessing and getting pure before the Lord, it doesn't have to be fancy. You just go to God and be like, God, what do I do? I want to be a pure vessel before you. I want to shift Kroger when I step inside. I want to believe that. Help me with my unbelief. That's what you do. Culture is contagious. Edification is contagious. Honesty is contagious. When it's hard to be honest, be honest. Be honest. Integrity is contagious. Authenticity, vulnerability, positivity, courage, action. Preference of others is contagious. Fun fact, emotion is contagious. Have you ever been around a Debbie Downer? Have you ever been a Debbie Downer? <laughs> oh, you can ask my husband. I've been a Debbie Downer. <laughs> encouragement breeds encouragement. Positivity breeds positivity. But most importantly, belief breeds belief, guys. Belief breeds belief. Can I challenge you to believe today? I'm going to put a quote, little note taker, on the wall or on the screen. The belief will always precede the becoming. Believe that you are an expression of the kingdom of God. Talk to God about that. Be open to him. And I promise you, 
you will step into the becoming with ease. You just have to do it. We have to do it. So ask God for help with your unbelief. Ask for wisdom for your part, how to steward every step of your life. Ask him, how can I love well today? You know, I heard this too yesterday. Solomon, a lot of times we look at when God gave him wisdom, it was this jackpot prayer. And, and I was listening to some friends yesterday and they were saying, you know, when you translate that whole scripture and you go down to the Hebrew, it actually, God actually says to Solomon, ask me what I want for you and then ask me for that. That's powerful. So my challenge to you is you go home and you ask God, God, what do you want from me? What's my part in spreading your kingdom and establishing it here in the earth? And then when he tells you, you pray it. You pray it. So if you, minute, this is just a time of response and I just, I just wanna ask you guys to just, even right now, first of all, if you know the Lord, doesn't matter where you are, your doubts, your unbelief, none of that. If, if, if you call yourself a believer, you've put your faith in Jesus, I just want to pray right now. Lord, I ask God, Lord, that you would speak, God, to our hearts right now, God. Right now, Lord, we say right now before you, God, we believe. Help us with our unbelief. God, we want to be authentic expressions of your kingdom. We desire to be authentic expressions of the person of Jesus so that when we gather, it gets crazy and it's a demonstration of the fire and the love and the culture of God that people hear about it all throughout the city. And they come in, they go, what is that? God, we desire to be those people. So Lord, whatever is holding us back, Lord, we ask for wisdom. God, to take the steps to be who you have called us to be, to shift atmospheres with every step. Lord, we accept the responsibility to learn what it means to be your plan A to reconcile the world to yourself, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.